You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am Hayden Grove, joined, as always, by our Cavaliers beat reporter on Cleveland.com, Mr. Chris Fedor. And before we get started, uh, we have a ton to talk about today, a ton, which is awesome. Uh, Before we get started, I do want to thank Bobby Marks of ESPN for joining us on our last podcast. He was an excellent guest, Um, really appreciated his time and his takes and his energy um, so definitely appreciate Bobby Marks joining our podcast. And you can go check that podcast out again, cleveland.com slash Cavs. You'll be able to find Bobby Marks' name on uh, on the list of stories and uh, just click on it and you'll be able to listen to that podcast. So thanks again to Bobby for having us on. Or excuse me. For, thanks again for Bob, to Bobby for coming on with us, I should say. Now, the big news. We're going to dive in. Last night, around 8.30, nearly 9 o'clock, the Cavaliers were awarded the number three pick in the 2021 NBA draft. They they found out they were going to be in the top four. There was little anticipation. They end up with the number three pick. And Chris, you put out a tweet last night that said that the front office was ecstatic. Yeah, I mean, they were. I, I texted somebody and I said, okay, give me your initial reaction because I'm curious what it was. Because Look, I think everybody knew, including the Cavs, that getting Cade was the biggest thing that could have happened to this organization in in quite some time. Um, But they didn't get Cade. Uh, They're not in position to get Cade Cunningham. The Detroit Pistons won the lottery. So I just kind of wanted to get a feel for, okay, am I overreacting thinking that this is a massive win? Um, And I was not. (laughs) They, They were completely ecstatic. Um, they're finally Hayden picking from a pool of players that could change the franchise, that could change the trajectory of this rebuild. Uh, they lamented the fact that they didn't have lottery luck over the last three years. They made the most of it. I think they did as well as they could have with those picks. But the truth is, none of those guys were in the same class as, you know, Zion Williamson, John Morant, or Luka Doncic, Trey Young. They were um, a different tier for a reason. Right. And it's turned out to be that way so far early on in each of their careers. Um, the Cavs won't have to worry about that. You know, we we spent so much time talking about Jalen Johnson and Keon Johnson and Scotty Barnes and, and Josh Giddy um, and Davion Mitchell and, and who would be the best of that particular group for the Cavs. And all of those guys were incredibly flawed. And, and I thought you had to like really convince yourself why any of them would have been the right pick for the Cavs had they not gotten lottery luck. Now we don't have to worry about that. And the Cavs don't have to worry about that. To me, they're in a situation with whoever they get at number three, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley. um, There is no wrong answer of that group because each of those four guys, including Cade, is highly regarded in this year's class. Each of those four guys could have made a case for number one picks in the past five to ten years because of how talented they are. It just so happens that they're all in this same draft. And if the Cavs were going to have a high pick, um, having it in this particular draft that is so top-heavy, is a massive win for the organization, even though they're not getting Cade. Yeah, definitely Cade Cunningham would have been the, 
you know, the the steal and the, the the moment of the night for the Cavaliers. But you're right. I think they're in a position where they can come away with a really, really good player here. And you're right. They needed the lottery luck. We've talked about it so for so long. You know, not necessarily the ultimate luck, but still some good luck. You know, still some good luck to get a player in a, in a top-heavy draft to get a player with the number three pick that, like we've said all along, that Kobe Altman's going to have to make, you know, um, if not this guy in the draft, I mean, he they, they got to find the guy for the Cavaliers organization, um, and certainly Kobe Altman wants to do that. Uh, you mentioned pretty much, it's, it's. do you think that there's, I mean, I think it's pretty much a three a three-player race at number three. Um, you know, Evan Mobley, you mentioned center of the USC then Jalen Green, who is in the G League, um, you know, first time ever that, you know, you were able to bypass college, go to the G League. And then Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga, who we know very well just by what from watching the NCAA tournament. So mm-hmm. um, pretty much a three player race for the number three pick. Yeah, I think so. I can't imagine somebody else sneaking in there. Look, there's a lot of buzz about. Scotty Barnes being drafted higher than people think, maybe even going in front of Jonathan Kaminga, who played with Jalen Green on G League Ignite. Um, I think that's probably too high. I I do think it's a a three-person race. I I think the majority of people that I've talked to inside the organization, outside the organization, scouts that do this for a living, see a clear drop-off after four. Um. And five is probably between Barnes, Kaminga, whichever one you feel more comfortable with, whoever's picking at number five. So, yeah, I think there are two tiers. Um, And I think, obviously, the first tier from the majority of people that I talk to is Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and then Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs is the second tier. But those two tiers are clearly above the other guys that we talked about, Kaminga and Barnes. So that, to me, it's one of those three. Well, I mean, we're going to have a lot of time to kind of digest or, excuse me, discuss um, what's going to happen with the number two pick. And because we we, we know what's going to happen with the number one pick, Cade Cunningham is going to be a Detroit Piston. The number two pick, the Houston Rockets have the number two pick. And obviously the Cavaliers traded Kevin Porter Jr. to the Houston Rockets. Um, But they definitely need some help as well. So Mm -hmm. you think that Evan Mobley is in a different tier. So that would leave, again, that would leave the Cavaliers essentially with one of the two Jalen's, Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs. Um, And that's going to be, you know, a decision internally that the Cavaliers are going to have to make through a lot of scouting, through a lot of, you know, vetting. I mean, I'm I'm assuming that even if, I mean, if if Mobley was there, I think they would definitely consider him. Um, What do you think Houston's kind of looking at in this scenario? Yeah, so they're obviously in an interesting situation um, because they do have KPJ. I don't know how they feel about KPJ. They probably like what they've seen from him. But at the same time, they have to determine their comfort level with him off the court, with his maturity, um, whether he can be trusted moving forward. And if they feel like the answer is yes, then, you know, he becomes a building block and Jalen Green kind of becomes a duplicate because Jalen Green is very KPJ-like in his skills. He just doesn't have the same kind of baggage. The comps that I hear the most about Jalen Green when I talk to people who know this better than me, uh, Zach Levine is one of them, and Kevin Porter Jr. because of his athleticism, his herky-jerky nature, his ability to create shots for himself and for others, mostly himself in the case of Jalen Green at this point in his career, um, and just his isolation package and ability to break down defenders and things along those lines. So I don't know. I know from people that I've talked to that Houston does like Jalen, Jalen Green, that is. But like, Will they consider him too similar to KPJ1? How much do they consider fit when making this decision so early in a rebuild, number two? And Evan Mobley would be the other one. And it's like they have somebody very similar to Evan Mobley on the roster already that they've invested in and they signed in free agency in Christian Wood. So... It's a tricky spot that I think Houston is in. I don't think there's a wrong answer. I think you can make a strong argument for Jalen Green. I think you can make a strong argument for Evan Mobley. 
it's kind of like what flavor is your favorite of those two guys and, and what do you value most as you move forward with your organization? We've talked a little bit about the Cavaliers and the position they're in, in terms of, you know, should they draft for fit? And you said no. And I kind of agree with that. I think that they still need to just draft the best player available. Um, Mobley would be interesting if they, you know, if say, say that the Rockets went in with one of the Jalen's and Mobley was on the board for the Cavaliers. Is that, you know, obviously we don't know their draft board per se, but I think, I think Mobley would be an option. I don't think that they would just ignore him because of the position he plays. I agree. I completely agree with that. He's one of the two unicorns in this draft that is just like, you know, based on his size and his skill set, he shouldn't be playing the position that he is, but he just happens to be seven feet. You know what I mean? Right. Like his handle is unbelievable. His versatility, unbelievable. He can protect the rim. Um, he can also switch on to smaller guys and hold his own because of his um, agility, because of his athleticism, because of his foot speed, quickness, things along those lines. Um, obviously, if you're talking about pure value, from a Cavs perspective, there is more pure value with somebody like Jalen Green and Jalen Suggs just based on the way that the NBA is going. At the same time, there is great value in a versatile, switchy big like Mobley who will never be played off the court. Like if a team goes big, he can hang. If a team goes small, he can hang. There's value in that kind of guy. It's not like in a Vika Zubac type player who can't do all of the things that you need from a center in this modern era, right? Or, or even Rudy Gobert, which, you know, he struggled getting out to the perimeter and the Los Angeles Clippers took advantage of him in a seven game series. Um, like everything that you want from a modern day big, you believe that the skill set is there for Mobley needs to shoot it better. Obviously, but there's a belief that um, those skills can be developed if he continues to work on it. With with Evan Mobley, I mean, I'm just thinking of the Cavaliers roster. I'm thinking of Jared yeah. Allen. Yeah, yeah. obviously. The, I mean, we, we do believe that, yes, I think they should still draft the best player available. But, like, you know, say, say Mobley was there, say they drafted Mobley, what would that mean for um, – Larry Nance Jr., what would that mean for Kevin Love? What would that mean for Jared Allen? What would that mean for, you know, the big guys that the Cavaliers have on the roster? I mean, would that be, do you think Jared Allen specifically, I mean, him being the guy that they're going to, you know, probably sign this offseason, um, I would say they should sign this offseason. Um, what would that mean? Do you think he would enjoy having a, another big man there? Do you think it would be kind of a hindrance? What do you think? I think there are some overarching themes Um that, that we have to talk about now that the Cavs have the third overall pick. And, and some things stand out to me, Hayden. Right. One is they now have a lot of options. Yes. Right. And, and there is now a path that they could explore that they probably realistically couldn't prior to the NBA lottery last night. And that's using um, this pick or a future pick to try and trade for an all-star caliber player. If yeah. it's this pick, if it's this pick, that is suddenly the most valuable asset in a terms of trade that the Cavs have. Because before last night's lottery, we were talking about maybe their most valuable asset in a trade is uh, Darius Garland, or maybe it's Isaac Accord. Like we were trying to figure out like what, it was that was going to be a centerpiece of that type of deal right now they have a centerpiece of that type of deal so if they wanted to i'm not saying that they're going to but if they wanted to they could try and go star hunting they could try and see if boston was willing to part with jalen brown right if they feel like they have to go a different direction now that they've got brad stevens as the president of basketball operations uh, they could call New Orleans and see if New Orleans is willing to trade Brandon Ingram. They can call Toronto and see if Toronto is ready to push the blow-up button and make Pascal Siakam that type of player available, or maybe OG Ananobi. Like, whoever you want to throw out there in that kind of category, 
it's it's suddenly more of an option for the Cavs than it was. Because if it would have been six or seven or eight, then we're talking about completely different types of deals, right? Then we're talking about maybe Terrence Ross types. We're squinting hard to say maybe Marcus Smart types. Uh, Maybe sign and trade type for DeMar DeRozan. You know what I mean? This is a different tier of player. This is a different quality of trade target that now the Cavs can at least explore the possibility of. Do you so, think... Yeah, go ahead. So beyond that, the other options that they have are, you know, they don't have to technically overpay for Jared Allen. Theoretically, right. if it's Mobley, they could do a sign-in trade involving Jared Allen and see if they could get something that makes more sense next to Evan Mobley. Right. Or or they could just draft Evan Mobley and say, we're going to play him behind Jared Allen early next to Jared Allen and some supersized lineups. Uh, We're just going to try and figure it out because we've got two young, versatile enough bigs that we really, really like. Uh, What I'm saying is like. They don't have to they're not going to be forced into anything anymore, and I don't think they're going to be in a situation anymore where they have to act one way or another out of complete desperation. Yeah, that's definitely what last night did. You're right. It put them kind of more in a driver's seat than a let's, you know, than in the backseat, which I think is huge. Like if uh, they want to play Mobley and Allen together, if you squint hard enough, you can probably see it, especially if Mobley develops that perimeter skill set and that perimeter shot that we're talking about, right? Is it an ideal fit? No, it's not. But is his talent so much that it would be too tough to pass up? And here's the other thing. When you're talking about Jalen Green and Jalen Suggs, neither of those guys are ideal fits either. You know what I mean? So, like, the argument for all of them, I think Green is probably the best fit in replacing KPJ and what the Cavs lost with KPJ moving on from him. Um. But this isn't the seamless fit that I thought Cade Cunningham was going to be. The argument in favor of Mobley, Suggs, and Green is entirely based on potential and talent. It's not so much about fit. Either way, of any of those three that the Cavs are going to have to to choose from if they stay there, um, they're going to have to figure out the fit one way or another. And they're going to have to determine then if they have to move on from Colin Sexton, if they have to move on from Jared Allen, if all these guys can play together, whatever the case may be, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. They definitely now have, you know, they have options. You're right. They absolutely have options. And I mean, before we get into the trade stuff, I just, I want to go through the other two guys because I think, you know, obviously as much as Mobley is, you know, certainly a, a very, very, very talented and, and unicorn type player, as you said. I think for for whatever reason, I think the Cavaliers are going to be more. I think the name is it's going to be Jalen or Jalen in terms of the more popular names associated with the Cavaliers, um, and that's going to be the argument. That's going to be the debate: is Jalen or Jalen? Um, I think, to be honest with you, I think that there is definitely a bias against Jalen Green because he just never played in the spotlight in college. You know. I mean, the G League is definitely not as popular a product. It's definitely not mm-hmm. as, um, you know, broadcasted. And uh, I think that pro- that probably hurt Jalen Green, whereas Jalen Suggs was, you know, playing on the national stage and, and making big shots and, and showing America what he could do. Um, but just your from your perspective right now, I mean, who, who would you take? What would your uh, assessment of each be? Um, and, you know, maybe there is a better fit for the Cavaliers one way or another. I think you're getting two pretty similar, maybe n- somewhat similar players in Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs. Well, they're similar in terms of size and stature. And exactly. I guess, yeah, I guess in terms of the role that you would project them having when it comes right. to the Cavs. Correct. But stylistically, they're different. They're different. Yes. yes. And, and I like them both to be yes. perfectly honest with you. I think it's going to be a really tough decision if it comes down to the two Jalens. You know, Suggs is a magnetic dude. Like, yeah. there is a magnetism about him where uh, people want to play with him. Um, his attitude is infectious. I had him described to me by one NBA scout 
as the Russell Wilson of the NBA. Huh. Like he can have that kind of impact on an organization because of his leadership, because of his intangibles, because of his style, because of how he plays in terms of what that means for winning. Mm-hmm. Um, his IQ, all that kind of stuff. His body. Uh, this is a former high school quarterback. Like Everywhere Jalen Suggs went, good things happened. There aren't a lot of guys with that kind of profile that are great in high school, great in college, that that have this kind of skill set that go on to the NBA and don't make it. You know, there's a lot of Chauncey Billups to him where he just like changes the culture. He changes the attitude. He's an alpha. And I don't think the Cavs have that kind of guy. So he's really intriguing to me Um, beyond his feel for the game, his athleticism, his playmaking. It's like the intangible things that are very, very difficult to quantify. I think he goes to an organization and he immediately makes that organization better in a way that you can't quantify. Um, Jalen Green might be the most naturally gifted player in this entire draft, even more so than Cade Cunningham. Um, Speed, athleticism, shot making. He is a natural born scorer. Like I said, the comps that I hear oftentimes, Zach Levine, Kevin Porter Jr., Some have talked about Bradley Beal. I don't know that Green shoots it as well as Bradley Beal, so I don't know if I want to go there. You know, he shot 36.5% from three-point range um, in the G League and NBA level three. But it's like, if you're going to bet on somebody becoming the star from this year's draft, not named Cade Cunningham, you're probably going to bet on the skill set of Jalen Green more than anybody else, especially with what the NBA is all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely makes for a tough decision for the Cavs. I mean, you know, those two guys, I mean, definitely bring a, a ton of talent. And that's why, again, this is a top-heavy draft. Um, I think the, you know, I think that obviously at some point they're going to make a decision between, you know, I think it's either going to be between Mobley or between one of the three guys. You know, de- depending on Houston does, I think yeah. you're going to have their choice. And and it's going to be, you know, I think that's that's it is something to discuss. But like at the end of the day, Kobe's going to go with who Kobe, you know, wants to go with and and who he's scouted and who he feels best about. Um, but the interesting possibility, and we've talked about this a little bit thus far, is maybe, you know, to go star searching, you know, to mm-hmm. use that number three pick and not even take a player, let somebody else get a player and, and get, uh, you know, somebody with who fits well, who also, you know, can, has been, you know, has had an NBA track record. Um, I mean, you mentioned names already, pa- Pascal Siakam, maybe even OG Ananobi. I mean, you talked about some of these other guys. Um, I think that's a fascinating possibility. And my, to be honest with you, my first thought was, man, you know, I, I think that they could really do something with that pick um, in, in terms of trade. So obviously it depends on on who becomes available. Right. Right. And I think it's hard to have any kind of meaningful discussion if you don't know what those kinds of offers are, if you don't have the landscape in the NBA, right? Like this third overall pick is unbelievably valuable. This is one of the best draft classes in the last decade. People have been looking forward to this particular draft for a long, long time. So three is going to carry a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some guys that I mentioned that I wouldn't even give up number three for, to be honest with you. Like, I don't think they fit um, the category of player that the Cavs could be missing out on by giving up that pick. And yeah, I mean, there are a lot of uncertainties Uh, There are no guarantees when it comes to the draft. The way that we're talking about these guys as potential all-stars, it doesn't mean all of them are going to become all-stars. Some of them could be flops, right? So, like, you have the known commodities, which I think makes it easier for fans to say, yeah, give me that known commodity. I know what Bradley Beal is. I know what Brandon Ingram is. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. there's more certainty with those kinds of guys. Um, 
you know, a couple of years ago, Minnesota and Chicago did a trade involving Jimmy Butler. The seventh overall pick was involved in that. There were other pieces that were moved as well, including Zach Levine, Chris Dunn. So it's like at that time, Jimmy Butler was a little bit different than he would be at this time, right? That was an ascending player. Mm-hmm. Um, you felt like his best basketball could still be ahead of him. He was in the age range of the rest of the group that you already had there. You had a new head coach. There are a lot of factors involved in that. Um, so if you could find somebody between the age of like 24 and 27, where you feel like his best basketball is still ahead of him rather than behind him, then if I'm the Cavs, I listen to that. I try and see what the value of this number three pick is. Right. I think you have to. I think right. you have to. If you're the Cavs and your general manager, Kobe Altman, you're not doing your job. Um, if you're not exploring the landscape of the NBA and seeing what could be possible with that third overall pick. But but I just think short of Damian Lillard and maybe Bradley Beal, um, Brandon Ingram I go back and forth on all the time. Short of 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 those types, and and look, Brandon Ingram's not even in that category, and Dame's in a different category than Beal, who's in a different category than Brandon Ingram. But but you understand what I'm saying. You understand what I'm getting at. That yeah. kind of player, a bona fide all star, right? Um, short of that, I find it hard to believe that somebody's going to throw out a hypothetical trade that's going to make me feel like the Cavs giving up number three in this particular draft is going to be worth it. Because there are a lot of other things that you have to consider here too, Hayden. Yeah. Um, the player that you get is going to be on something close to a max contract. And and given the salary cap situation that the Cavs currently have with Kevin Love, um, with a potential extension for Colin Sexton, with a potential re-signing of Jared Allen for about $100 million or north of that. Like, this thing could get really pricey soon. And having maybe what you consider your best player or your most important player um, on a rookie-scale contract, um, on a team-friendly contract for a number of years, is incredibly beneficial when it comes to team-building. And that would obviously open up other avenues uh, that the Cavs could explore in terms of uh, surrounding this young player with um, certain certain avenues that they probably wouldn't have if they had, um, you know, Damian Lillard's big contract on the books or uh, Bradley Beal's big contract on the books, something along those lines. So you have to weigh all of those different factors. And I think at the end of the day, Having the third overall pick in this particular draft, whether it be Suggs, Green, Mobley, on that particular contract, to me, is probably going to be a better option than anything the Cavs could do in the trade market. That's just me personally. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. You know, you have that rookie guy, that kid on the rookie contract, especially with all the other contracts that are, you know, that are happening with, like you said, Colin Sexton, Jared Allen, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm just trying to like wrap my head around all of this because there's a lot, there's a lot of layers here. There's a lot, you know, to, to think about. And obviously most of it's good, you know, most of it's good for the Cavaliers. Um, you mentioned Colin Sexton and and the fit there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you mentioned obviously an extension too. So say, say the Cavaliers bring in Jalen Green, right? Okay. And I mean, when you say the fit is bad, like what what exactly would you consider like a not a good fit with Colin in that way? Well, I don't think it's a bad fit. Let, let me say that. I just don't think it's as seamless as Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham, sure, is a six foot eight, six nine forward who plays guard. You know what I mean? He has guard skills in a forward's body. The Cavs don't have a player like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if Jalen Green were six foot seven, six foot eight, it becomes easier to me um, to fit those kinds of guys. But like, I I think it's a fine enough fit, especially given his talent, 
Because, like, if Cavs fans in the organization believed KPJ could have been a good fit moving into the future with DG and Colin Sexton, um, then why would the arrival of Jalen Green, who is very similar to KPJ in terms of his skill set, he just doesn't have the baggage, why would that mean one of them have to go? I, I think you just figure it out, right? Um, at the end of the day, there are 48 minutes in a basketball game. All three of those guys, hypothetically, could play 30-plus minutes. Sometimes it's going to be together. Sometimes it's going to be apart. Right. I just don't think it's as seamless as what it would be with Cade Cunningham. And the wonkiness of it is, you know, Jalen Green is very similar to Colin in that he's a natural bucket getter. Mm-hmm. Um, he's somebody who still at this point in time in his career struggles to get teammates involved. Maybe that's something that comes as he grows up, gains more experience. Um, and Colin is, you know, he's a secondary creator. Um, he's not a primary creator. So I'm of the belief that you can't have too many creators. Um, I'm of the belief that you can't have too many ball handlers. But, I mean, they both play the same position at the end of the day. And it's hard for me to see Jalen Green at his size guarding threes or fours in the NBA the way that I could see Cade Cunningham doing that because of his size. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. And Um, I think you can say the same thing about Jalen Suggs, to be honest with you. Yeah. Hey, I'd like to take a minute to tell you about how to sign up for Cavs text and analysis from me, Chris Fedor. Here's how it works. I'll text you a few times a day with the inside scoop and analysis on the team. What I'm hearing, I give it to you before things happen. Like Kevin Love being reprimanded for his outburst. Like the Cavs losing the pre-lottery coin flip to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like Lindsey Gottlieb's decision to leave. You get the juicy nuggets even before they're up on Cleveland.com. You can also text me directly, day, night, whenever, but I mean, let's not get too carried away. Still, it's a great way to cut through the clutter of social media. Try a 14-day free trial. You can cancel anytime. All it takes is one text, but you won't want to cancel. So many subscribers have joined and stayed over the last year. They love it and interact with me on a daily basis. You can too. $3.99 a month, which is less than 14 cents a day. It's a perfect time to join. It's the run-up to the NBA draft, free agency around the corner. It's a critical off-season for the Cavs. Go to cleveland.com slash Cavs, click the blue banner at the top of the page, or text me, 216-208-4499, 216-208-4499. This makes me think that, I mean, again, okay, so say they grab Jalen Green, say they grab Jalen Suggs, and... I mean, is Colin is Colin a tradable asset at this point? I mean, is this a guy that that they would the Cavaliers would say, okay, you know, we we really like Jalen here, we love Colin, but maybe we think we can get a better fit, uh, somebody who can come in and 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 you know fit with us better than Colin would, or is are they just so gung ho on Colin that you know they would try to make it work as long as possible um, and not even consider moving on from Colin? Look, I think there's part of me that thinks they would want to see it. Yeah. Let's let's see how it looks. Right. Let's let's not make any um preconceived notions of yes or no. Let's see it first and then determine that. Um that that's what I believe the direction they would take would be. Um at the same time I think they would explore a lot of different options. Mm-hmm. Sexton, Allen, like what, whatever they think is going to make them better and potentially accelerate this rebuild. I, I don't think they're going to feel like if, if it, if it were green or Suggs, I don't think they would feel like we have to get rid of um, one of these guys. Right. Um, and I don't think they're going to be desperate to move on from Colin um, because they're eventually going to have to pay him. I think they would be fine either way. But look, if they could get something of significant value and bring something different to this organization um, than what Colin does, then I think, sure, they would absolutely explore that. I think they have to explore that. There's a ton to explore. And and look, I mean, I think the, the, the reality is, I think it's more likely 
that the Cavs would trade from what's currently here before they traded the third overall pick. That's right. my belief right now. Right. Um, and what's currently here, look, we can talk about it. Colin, Darius, Isaac. I don't know which order. I'm not putting them in order. I'm not saying that that's the direction that the Cavs are definitely going to go in. But but if we're talking about trying to make a trade, um, I think they would be more likely to trade one of those guys and a future pick or one of those guys and Larry Nance Jr. or one of those guys and Torian Prince's expiring contract or a couple of those guys and some of the second round picks that they've picked up. Like that to me is a more realistic outcome than the third overall pick in this particular draft. I completely agree. And you mentioned you mentioned Isaac Koro. I mean, I'm assuming, I mean, I don't know. I think that just adding this pick is going to give them depth. Um, say, obviously, I guess, I guess the, I guess the ideal, you know, in bringing in one of these guys would be that they start right away, you know? So, I mean, is this a situation in which Colin Sexton could, you know, be that sixth man guy that everybody thinks to seems to think he could be? Do you think he would be upset with that? If say they drafted Jalen Green and they wanted to keep you know Cora in the lineup for defense, um, and you know Darius running the point, I mean, is this something where Colin, they, that you know Colin would be willing to take that kind of new role, or do you think he'd be wanting to play alongside a guy like Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs with Darius, with um, Jared Allen, with either Larry, Kevin, whatever? There are a couple of things that I now know about Colin based on being around him for the last couple of years and getting to know people in his inner circle. Mm -hmm. One, he wants to win. That's all that matters to him. Mm -hmm. He wants to win. And whatever is going to be best for the team to take that step and win and get him onto the playoff stage that he craves, I think he would be open to. The other thing that I believe I know about Colin Sexton is he is not a powder. He doesn't sulk when things go against him. He um, gets in the gym, (laughs) works on his game, and tries to prove everybody wrong. So if if the Cavs were to move him potentially to a six-man type role, I don't think he's going to pout about that. I think he's going to say in the nicest way, bleep you, I'm going to show you that I should be a starter, right? Or bleep you, I'm going to show you that I can thrive in any role that you put me in, in the nicest way, in the best way possible. I think that's the kind of attitude that he would take. I I could I completely agree because I see the same things in him. You know, he wants to prove people wrong. He wants to bet on himself. Um, I mean, but could that also, you know, when we talk about an extension, I mean, could that also, you know, halt or, or. you know, um, you know, make talks more difficult with the Cavaliers and Colin if if they bring in a player that kind of has a similar skill set. I mean, I guess, sure, it could. Um, I don't know that it changes the stance of Colin or Colin's agent, Austin Brown. I think they're going to ask for the max. I don't know that it changes the Cavs' stance this off season. Um, again, a decision doesn't have to be made this off season. They could just let it extend into next summer and and go into restricted free agency with him. Um, Like, like Colin and Jalen are not the same guy. Like, I don't want this to come across as they're the same guy, but Colin and Jalen are more similar. Either Jalen that you're talking about are more similar than Colin and Cade Cunningham, obviously. And that's where I talk about the fit coming into play and being a little bit more difficult. You know what I mean? Yes, 100%. You know, we both kind of said that, that and everybody said that Cade, Cade was the perfect fit. But that doesn't mean that the Cavaliers can't get a really good player and try to make this thing work. I mean, that's kind of where the front office was ecstatic, is that they think they know they're going to get a good player, and now they just kind of, kind of have to figure something else or everything else out in terms of Colin, Isaac, Darius, you know, the whole young crew. Or again, like you said, maybe if they would trade the pick in some way or shape or form. I've got uh, a hypothetical for you. Yeah. Question. I'm curious if you would do this. Yep. I don't know. I don't know if Detroit would do this. But a couple of years ago, we saw one and three get flip flopped. Markel Fultz, Jason Tatum. Maybe Detroit says, 
okay, we really, really like Cade Cunningham, but Jalen Green is about the same as him. Or Evan Mobley is about the same as him. Yeah. Would you give one of the young guys and three for one? Yes. You would? Yes. I would too, actually. Yes, I would. Yeah, I would. Yes, too. I would. I absolutely would. I mean, you know, and I mean, I don't think, I don't think Detroit would do this, but I would easily give up Isaac in the in three for number one. Would you give up number three and next year's first for number one? Yes. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I would. No doubt right. about it. Again, I don't know if Detroit would do that. I have I don't no idea. Detroit, I don't know if Detroit would do anything. I mean, they don't really have anybody right now. Killian Hayes, maybe, but not really. Like, I don't know if they have anybody that's worth, like, you know, building around. I think that I think I think Cade is kind of the guy that they're going to have to start this thing with. So if sure. I were Detroit, I don't think I would take anything. But but here's the thing that 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 I was thinking the other day. Like, yes, Cade is a guy that you build around, right? But Evan Mobley is a guy that you build around, too. And Jalen Green could be a guy that you build around. And Jalen Suggs could be a guy that you build around. It's very rare, Hayden, that you have that many guys in a draft class that you feel like we can legitimately build around, we can make the centerpiece of our organization. And I believe that there are four in this year's class. That could end up being completely wrong three, four, five years from now. But as of right now, I believe that that's how the top of this draft is viewed. Right. So if you feel like all of them are in that same category of build around players and you have them very, very close together, you know, picking up another piece like a Coro, like Sexton, uh, I guess like Darius, uh, if we're going to throw those names out there or you know, a really valuable future first round pick, which is what um, which is what Philadelphia gave up to move up to number one for Markel Fultz a few years ago in that Tatum swap. Um, maybe it's something that you do consider. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Again, I think I say it all the time. It takes two to tango in terms of trades. You know, it's. Uh, yeah, right. It's certainly the Cavaliers could say, hey, we're really willing to give up number three. Number one next year, we're not, we're willing to give up, you know, pretty much whatever you want outside of, you know, maybe some untouchables. Um, Detroit could say no, you know, <laughs> we just we just want Cade. We don't want any yeah. other nonsense, you know. I mean, the big key in that whole Fultz Tatum swap was the fact that Boston was really really into Jason Tatum, right? And it was like, yo, okay. Um, other people may not see it this way because they're enamored with Markel Fultz. But we think Tatum is on the same level, if not better. We think Tatum is the number one player in the draft. Not a lot of people saw it that way, probably. Right. But Boston did. And because of that, Boston was like, yo, we could get the guy that we really want, the guy that we really need, two picks later, and pick up something on top of this. Yeah. Turns out they were right. Yes, they absolutely were right. Absolutely were right. Correct. Um Chris, I mean, I, I just I'm so happy that we're actually talking about, you know, things that are happening with the Cavaliers, because obviously it's been a um, it's been a, a relatively mundane offseason thus far. Um, but I think we've we've talked about this before. I mean, Kobe, this is this is his you know big moment. I mean, this is kind yeah. of this is kind of it. And, um, you know, I'm not going to say that he's necessarily on the hot seat, but I'm saying that, you know, if things don't go well. You know, the, you could kind of see the writing on the wall. So, um, I mean, he has to feel a huge sense of, you know, uh, gladness to have this number three pick and just to have the more options than he would have had with, say, the fifth pick or the ninth pick or anything like that. Yeah, man, I was talking to people about this. So if, if they would have dropped to, let's say, seventh, because that was the one that had the highest percent chance of happening. Right. So if they would have dropped to seventh, I had confidence based on the things that they had already accomplished in past drafts that they probably would have gotten it right. Mm -hmm. Um, But what would that really have done for the rebuild? Nothing. You just add another solid young player. You could say that we hit on another solid pick, but like they didn't have the one. 
And I brought this up to somebody the other day. And, and I think we talked about this on the last podcast or maybe two podcasts before. Mm-hmm. Um, Memphis has done almost everything right in its rebuild. They've hit on picks. They've made smart trades. And they've made good free agency signings. And they've kept their guys in place. Um, had they not moved up from seven to two for John Morant, right? Are we talking about Memphis right now? No, no. I mean, like, I think they would have been in a similar position as the Cavs. They did a lot of things right, and you gave them credit for getting those things right, but they weren't going to make steps forward because they didn't have the centerpiece. They didn't have the guy to build around. Right. Uh, the fact that they have Ja now, all of a sudden. It's like you look at Brandon Clark and you look at Jaron Jackson Jr. and you look at Desmond Bain and you look at all those other guys and say, yes, those guys on top of Ja, and that's why they are where they are. And you could say the same thing about the Atlanta Hawks who have gotten some things wrong during this rebuild, but they have Trey and Trey covers that up and Trey allowed them to accelerate their rebuild and now they don't need as much from uh, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish and Kevin Herter and some of those other kinds of guys. Um, so the Cavs very easily could have had a resume where they hit on every single pick, um, but they just weren't positioned to get the one that mattered most. And because of that, they could have lost their job. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, like you could sit there and you could say, we did everything right. We got this pick right. And it's like, okay, but in the big picture, when it comes to, you know, taking that next step into a playoff team, that doesn't mean anything. Right. Right. You're right. I mean, it would have been total, you know, luck or lack thereof that would have could have cost the Cavaliers or Kobe Elman his job at the Cavaliers. But I think that's the thing that, that just, you know, you'd mentioned Trey Young getting the bulk of the, you know, the attention and. I think that just Colin and Darius getting the bulk of the attention in Cleveland, I just think, yes, it's fair because they are the top, you know, they were the draft pick. They were the number one picks of each of the last or each of those drafts. But at the same time, like. They just they weren't they weren't necessarily those top they they weren't necessarily thought of as franchise changing pieces just because of where they were drafted like you know there were other franchise changing pieces out there and the Cavaliers just did not have the opportunity to draft them so I mean you're right you're exactly right it's like Kobe yes you know obviously he's judged based on the team's record and what the team does but in terms of the draft I mean it's really really hard if you don't have the right luck in the right draft so now they do and now so they're now in they position. Do. Yeah, so now they do. Now they're in the position to get that franchise changing piece. Um and now, now there's no excuse. You're right. There's not. No they obviously have either. to hit on this one. We're not gonna know. Well, maybe we will. In in maybe in Jalen Green's case, because he played in the G League against pros, we might have a better idea early. Right. Jalen Suggs case, we we might have a better idea early because he's just he he's not a teenager like <laughs> he doesn't carry himself that way right he doesn't play that way he has a more advanced game so we might know more um a little bit earlier on with those kinds of guys than we would with somebody like Evan Mobley but the the Cavs have to hit on this this is the spot that they've wanted to be in this is the spot that they lamented not being in um and this this is the one that that could potentially change the trajectory of this sort of thing. Um, You can only hit so many singles and doubles in the draft, whether it's your fault or not. Uh, This is a stars league. You need a star. And now the Cavs have an opportunity to get that star, either using the number three pick themselves or trading it for a bona fide all-star caliber player. That's, that's already more established. Well, that's the exciting part is that the Cavaliers are going to get a, they're going to get something. They're going to get the thing that they've needed most that they don't have. They're going to get the opportunity. Well, let me say it this way. They're going to get the opportunity. Correct. To, yes. to get the thing that they need the most. You that's, know, there's, there's, that's better phrasing. There's no guarantee that, that they will get that. But certainly it's great that they will have that opportunity. And finally, you know, there will be someone to take um, some of the uh, onus off of, of Colin and Darius, who 
again, I don't think it's unfair the situation they were put in and and the the pressure they were they, that is put on them. But also at the same time, um, you know, they were not those were not guys that were projected to be franchise changers. So it's yeah. hard for the Cavaliers and for hard for Kobe Altman to make it a make a selection and all the eyes to be on somebody who is not necessarily supposed to be a franchise changer. Now they have the opportunity to do just that. Um, anything else you want to touch on before we uh, get out of here? I don't think so. Congratulations to Kevin Love and Darius Garland. Kevin Love going yes. to play for Team USA at the Olympics. Darius Garland, a member of the Team USA select team that's going to practice with and scrimmage against Team USA and and get those 12 guys that that made the final roster ready for the Olympics. So that's that's a pretty big deal, to be honest with you. I don't know that it changes much in terms of Kevin's value, um, but it's a big deal for those guys individually. Well, I guess if he played well for the Team USA, then certainly that could help. <laughs> yeah, but um, I guess what I'm saying is one summer run with Team USA is not going to erase three really really bad years with the caps where that's his value true. just fell off a cliff. That's true. That's true. But again, all of America will definitely be rooting for him and for the entirety of team USA. And I think that's a pretty darn good, you know, good uh, deal for Colin Sexton too, you know, or excuse me, not Colin Sexton for Darius Garland. Yeah. Um, just having the opportunity to play against those guys. I mean, that's a huge opportunity for growth. Huge. Who do you like at three? If, I guess if, that was going to be my I, final thing. Yeah, if I had to pin you down. If you had to pin me down. Yeah. So, I think it's between Suggs and Green. For you it is? That's who yeah. you like most? Yeah, for me it's between Suggs and Green. Um, and I think, you know, I just, I don't think I've watched enough of Jalen Green, and I think that that's something I'll definitely start to do a little more of um, mm-hmm. as we get closer to the draft. Uh, but you're right that Suggs has that undeniable magnetism. He has that kind of charismatic, you know, leadership quality that I think the Cavaliers could look, could lead or could need. He has kind of that face of the franchise ability, I think. So I think right now I would go with Jalen Suggs. But again, I think there's also a, a bias because if, if Jalen Green was on the national stage the way that Jalen Suggs was, I think a lot of more people would say, oh, well, actually Jalen Green's you know, right there alongside Jalen Suggs. But, um, again, that's why I want to go watch more of Jalen Green. That's why I want to kind of see how this would go. Um, I don't think – you're right. I don't think that they will lose in either scenario. I just wish Jalen Green was maybe like an inch or two taller – or, excuse me, Jalen Suggs was an inch or two taller. And maybe even <laughs> Jalen Green for the, from that, you know, matter too. So, I don't <laughs> think they could go wrong. What about you? What That was going to be my final question to you is, right now, who would you take with the number three pick? Who goes two? <laughs> well, okay, that's fair. That's fair yeah. too. Tell me who I'm, goes I'm, two. I was that was under the assumption that Emmanuel Mobley goes two. All right, so we're operating under that assumption that Mobley goes two, and yes. I'm picking between the Jalen's. Yes. Look, people know this. I have been a Suggs guy for a long, long time. Um, yeah. I have somebody that I know, trust, that has been doing this for a long time. That has been. Sp- spending a lot of time around uh, some of these elite prospects, even going back to when they were in high school. Sure. That person that I talked to is convinced that Suggs is going to be the best player in this draft. Wow. That person that I talked to believes that Suggs should be the number one draft pick. Um, I'm not there. I'm a huge Cade fan. Everybody knows that. I think he's exactly what the Cavs need. Um, so like, what is that person seeing in Jalen Suggs that I may be missing that I'm leaning towards Jalen Green? That's one thing that I'm questioning within myself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like to have that kind of magnetic personality here in this organization, um, as that, as that scout said, the Russell Wilson of the NBA, boy, that's really, really tempting but but I see more personally with with the physical tools and the traits um, that just fit this modern day game. I just personally see more star potential with Jalen Green. Um, and I would go that direction at number three right now. 
but but I think it's a really, really hard choice. Well, the good news is that we do have time. We can always go back and, and, and refurbish our decisions. And then obviously Kobe's got time too to take a look and really, really hone in on those guys. And even Emmanuel Mobley, you know, I'm sure they're going to, obviously they're going to have to do work on Emmanuel Mobley. Because again, maybe Jalen Suggs does go to, or maybe Jalen Green goes to. So uh, Evan Mobley, excuse me. Not did Emmanuel. you call him Emmanuel? I was like, yeah, did you call Evan. him Emmanuel or did you just yeah. stumble over your words and I lost connection or something? No, no, I said, I did say, it. sorry, Evan, okay. Evan Mobley. Yes. Um, uh, I think that obviously that Kobe, they're going to have to do a lot of work on all three. And um, and I'm excited to see what happens. I am. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Here's something else. Remember how we've talked on this podcast about the Cavs' connection to Team USA? Right. And every organization has a group of people that they really trust and they lean on and they talk to throughout a process when it comes to making any big decision. Evan Mobley... Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, all Team USA guys. Yep. So none of those guys are getting the inherent tiebreaker. <laughs> right. But, but, you know, the Cavs are going to get deep intel, um, really, really important intel. They're going to have access to that because of Kobe Altman's relationship with USA Basketball when it comes to Mobley, Suggs, and Green. Because a lot of the people that the Cavs talk to throughout the course of this process have those Team USA ties. And there's trust between the Cavs and Team USA that they're going to get it straight, right? They're right. not going to get a, a, a sugar-coated version of a scouting report. They're going to get the good and the bad. And that kind of intel can be incredibly valuable. So the fact yeah. that all three of these guys... Um, spent time around USA basketball is obviously going to help the Cavs. They're going to get um, an intimate scouting report, which is going to be beneficial when it comes to making this decision. Exactly. exactly. I have one other question for you before we yep. get out of here. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons, yes or no? For Cleveland? Yeah. Do you think they should explore that? I don't mm. know what it would cost. Obviously, his value has gone down. Like, on one hand, his value has gone down. On the other hand, he's 24 years old, can get a lot better, multiple-time All-Star, and one of the best um, defenders in the entire NBA, finished second in Defensive Player of the Year. So yes I would or say no? yes. Really? really? I would say yes. I would. Yep. Um, again, it just depends on the cost, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's That's... that's you know, obviously, you'd love to have ben Simmons, ben Simmons on your team, but it definitely would depend on the cost. Yeah, cost about, is always a factor. You're, what you're a, right what about a, that. What about you? So, this is a layered conversation, obviously, because if we're having the Simmons conversation, that means the Cavs are giving up good assets, right? Mm-hmm. They are um, devoting a huge chunk of their salary cap to this guy. Mm-hmm. Knowing full well that he's got some flaws that are very, very detrimental to a team's offense and a team's ceiling. Yeah. That, well, as we saw. Look, I mean, it was really, really difficult for Philly. And now the situation in Philly wasn't great because he needs spacing and shooting and Joel Embiid needs spacing and shooting. And to have, you know, two of your starting five that both need spacing and shooting at some point, you just run into a situation where there's just not enough of those two things. Yeah. Um, but Ben is the kind of guy also that that you have to build specifically around. Right? So you have to find a stretchy five, and you have to find um, a small ball four, unless Ben is willing to play the four. Um, and you have to find a certain kind of shooting guard and a certain kind of small forward. Like, there are certain rosters where if you want the best of Ben Simmons, he needs to be on. Yeah. This, this roster is not that, man. No, it's not. No, it's <laughs> we not. We know that they don't have shooting. They don't have spacing. It's one of the worst offenses in the NBA is currently constructed. So that means the Cavs would have to go out and try and find those kinds of guys to put around Ben Simmons. Right. Is Ben the kind of guy that you're going to do all of that for? To build around. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't yeah. think so. You just changed my mind. That's a great point. I mean, point. in the past, 
he hasn't wanted to play power forward, Hayden. Yeah. In the past, he hasn't wanted to play the small ball five. Yeah. He wants to be a point guard. Yeah. And the truth is, like, the things that you need your point guard to do in this era of basketball in the NBA, Ben doesn't do those things. Right. He, he does some of those things, a very small amount of those things. Um, and this doesn't mean that I don't recognize some of the great things that he can bring to the table, especially on the defensive end of the floor. But if we're talking about the Cavs in this particular situation, I I just don't think it's a very good fit. And here's the other thing. And we've talked about this on the podcast before, Hayden. There are 82 game players, right? Mm-hmm. And then there are seven game series players. Yeah. To me, Ben Simmons has shown himself to be an 82 game um, player. Yeah. Not so, quite right. Right. That's not the kind of guy that you want to build around. That's not the kind of guy that you want to devote, I don't know, a fourth, more than a fourth of your salary cap to. It's tough. It's tough right. to build a team around that kind of guy. You so I say me, no. Yeah. Your points just made me change my mind. That makes a lot of <laughs> Seriously. I just, I was thinking of it from like, a, okay, you know, maybe you could, maybe then you could kind of find a way to, to use Colin and, but like, but he's a volume scorcher. No. You're right. You're exactly right. Your Ben Simmons needs that shooting, needs that kind of spacing, right? And I mean, I mean, like I would like to think of like the old Cavaliers with like J.R. Smith and Channing and uh, Kyle Korver and just the immense shooting that they had. I think that would work because obviously, you know, Ben Simmons is not LeBron James, but they, you know, there's a similarity there in that they, you know, both would love to have shooters around them. And I mean, I think. I think the other thing, which is glaringly obvious, we say Batman and Robin all the time, right? Number one, number two, you can say driver, passenger. Whatever the case may be, um, Ben looks more like a passenger as opposed to a driver. He looks more like Robin as opposed to Batman. Right. Again, that doesn't mean that that's what he's going to be. He could improve. He hasn't at this point in time. Yeah. Right, but he could improve. What do you think he would have by now? I mean... So that's a fair question, Um, and I don't think this is the perfect comparison, but I've thought about this a lot over the last couple of days. Remember LeBron? Yeah. Remember that guy? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Yeah, he he improved a ton and changed a ton, yeah. He did, but, like, to me, what it took for him to become – Miami champion LeBron and Cleveland champion LeBron was failing without excuse. Does that make sense? Yeah. So early on in his Cavs career, um, he always had a built-in excuse of, it wasn't my fault. It was my coach wasn't good enough. My teammates weren't good enough because they weren't, right? I mean, look at some of those rosters that the Cavs had in the early LeBron years. So they weren't good enough for him in the playoffs. And I think because of that, Hayden, he never really had to look himself in the mirror and blame himself and say, like, this was on me that we failed. And I must, I must improve my game in whatever facet it was. Right. That that didn't happen for LeBron until Miami. Yeah. Until that Dallas NBA final series. When it was on him, he was the reason that Miami did not win that NBA title. Yep. And and he recognized that. And he went to a sports psychologist, which was really, really important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he added different elements to his game. He started posting up more. Um, he started being more of a finisher as opposed to solely an initiator. And there was just, like, a, a different um, LeBron moving forward from there. Yes. This could be the series where Ben has to look in the mirror and say, oh my God, that was on me. That wasn't on Joel. That wasn't on Doc. That wasn't on Seth Curry. uh, That wasn't on injuries. That was on me. I wasn't good enough. I didn't shoot in fourth quarters. Like I didn't drive to the basket because I was scared of getting fouled. Um, I didn't put enough pressure on the defense. I allowed Atlanta to play Danilo Gallinari, a non-defender, Trey Young, a non-defender, because nobody had to guard me. Like, I got I to gotta learn how to shoot, right? I got to yeah. figure this thing out. That 
could be Ben's turning point moment. Uh, then again, maybe it's not. If if you're willing to trade for him, I think you're banking on that. Um, and I don't know him well enough. But what I'm saying is, I th- I think even though he hasn't improved yet at this point, and there isn't evidence of him getting significantly better, that possibility still exists, especially for somebody who's 24 years old. This this could be his epiphany that that makes him go that direction. We'll see. That's true. That's very true. LeBron absolutely did that. Started seeking out Hakeem, and then you know his. I mean, LeBron has just evolved his game so much over the years, and. Um, Maybe, again, maybe Ben Simmons can do the same. I mean, it's a little different. I think Ben Simmons starting from a much lower... Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that. Point. But certainly, any improvement would be good for him. Yeah. Um, all right, Chris. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you, everyone. Uh, be sure to sign up for Chris's subtext, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial to start. All you have to go to is do to, all you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash Cavs, and at the top of the page, you'll see a blue banner. All you got to do is put in your phone number, and you'll be good to go again to $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial, Cavaliers insight, analysis, and news sent straight to your phone before Twitter, before anywhere else, texting with Chris on subtext. And what better time to do it than right now, as the Cavaliers are getting ready to add a huge piece to their franchise, be it through the NBA draft or maybe even a trade or free agency. So, again, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. Go check it out right now, cleveland.com slash Cavs. Chris, thanks so much, man. We appreciate you joining us. And, uh, uh, I, I don't know if you'll be able to spend too much time away because uh, we're getting ready for the draft here, but um, certainly hope you get the rest and get ready to go for this uh, next chapter. You know it. I'll be refreshed, re-energized, ready to go. There's a lot of stuff to cover when it comes to this draft now. A lot more yes. than what it was going to be. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. All right, everyone. Thanks so much. Take care. We'll talk to you soon on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast.